0: It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Wednesday, April 12th, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. Kelly Reese returns Friday. Dozens of California families are still displaced as a result of winter flooding. The California report highlights the day-to-day experiences and current living arrangements of these individuals who remain unable to return to their homes. After a look at regional news, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonça covers No Overdose Nevada County, a campaign created to help prevent overdoses and deaths as a result of local drug use. We close with a commentary by Christine Newsom.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Maribolaños in San Francisco. A new report finds that fatal drug overdoses among California teens have skyrocketed in the last five years, with deaths for those ages 14 to 19 jumping 370 percent. KQED's health correspondent April Domboski has more on the analysis from California Health Policy Strategies. Most people who enter drug treatment programs are adults, but UC Davis Addiction Medicine doctor Amy Moulin says most of them started when they
2: were
0: teenagers. Addiction as we know it is a pediatric disease. We just refuse to face it because it's too hard and we like to think of teenagers as just experimenting.
1: Moulin says fentanyl has unmasked the reality of teen addiction because it's so lethal. She says the data also highlights the need to make treatment more accessible to adolescents. For the California Report, I'm April Domboski. It's been three months since major flooding inundated the town of Planada in Merced County. Still, residents of this unincorporated community are struggling to stay afloat. I met up with Rafael Andrade to learn more about what life after the floods looks like. The Quality Inn sits on the east side of Highway 99 in Merced. It's the second hotel Andrade and his wife have stayed in since they were displaced by the floods in late January. The first hotel was too expensive, he says. Now they're spending their third week here. Before that, they were staying at the Felix Torres Migrant Center with other families who couldn't return to their homes after the flooding. The center is run by the US Department of Agriculture and is used to house migrant farm workers. So in March, they were told they'd have to leave. Those that didn't have homes to return to were moved to hotels paid for by the county. And at the time, Andrade thought he'd be able to move back home.
3: Después al final cambió de opinión ya hasta el mero, al último.
1: At the last second, his landlord changed his mind, he says. He told Andrade that he planned to sell the house. When Andrade explained that to the county, they told him it was too late. They offered to pay for five nights in a hotel, and after that, it was up to him to pay out of pocket. Zaray Ramirez is with the Leadership Council for Justice and Accountability, a community organization that's been working with families displaced by the flooding. She says Andrade and his wife are one of 25 families from Planada who are still displaced because of the flooding. A lot of residents have come to us and talked about all these existing service gaps that are happening with these um, agencies currently present and offering like support. Um, some folks have not gotten approved and are being told by FEMA, oh, you know, just keep reappealing your case. Andrade says it's hard to deal with the bureaucracy on top of everything else. But FEMA has given him $2,000 to help with housing in the
3: meantime.
1: Still, he says they've looked everywhere, but most places are asking for about $4,000 to move in to cover security deposit, first and last month's rent. That's why Andrade and other families are asking the county to put an eviction moratorium in place. It would prevent no-fault evictions like Andrade's. Rodrigo Espinosa is the Merced County Supervisor for District 1, which encompasses Planada.
4: You know, this is not a one- or two-month thing. It's going to be six months where most people will need somewhere. You know, especially at these times with so much rain, uh, people were not working.
1: He says in March he submitted a request to discuss an eviction moratorium at the county supervisors' meeting, but the board still hasn't scheduled a time to discuss it. Meanwhile, the city of Merced passed an eviction moratorium last week in response to the flooding damage there. Back at the hotel, Andrade says he's not sure how long they'll be able to afford living there. When the money runs out, he says they'll likely have to sleep in their cars. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation. Listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the health care system undermines their pursuit of good health. On the web at chcf.org slash lbca. PaintCare, now with more than 850 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health, on the web at 11thHourRacing.org. A bill aimed at protecting undocumented Californians who are victims of crimes from being deported passed its first committee hearing on Tuesday. The Immigrant Rights Act was authored by Southern California Assemblyman Miguel Santiago. He says there are already federal rules in place that allow these victims to have protections from possible deportation.
0: These
2: are laws that, that allowed our communities who are immigrants, undocumented, to get a visa if they were set under certain conditions. And the conditions are pretty long. There's a series of about 30 different situations in which an immigrant, if they're a victim and they've participated in making sure that they provided information, they can apply for a visa.
1: The crimes that are part of these protections include stalking, extortion, and domestic violence. Santiago says more than 80 percent of the time, undocumented Californians who are victims of crimes don't report them for fear of deportation or the accusation being dismissed. The Los Angeles Lakers beat out the Minnesota Timberwolves last night, marking the first time all four California NBA teams have made it to the playoffs in the same season. As we mentioned earlier, the Sacramento Kings will host the Golden State Warriors on Saturday. And on Sunday, the Lakers will play the Memphis Grizzlies and the L.A. Clippers will take on the Phoenix Suns. baseball, the Giants defeated their rival, the LA Dodgers, 5-0 last night. The teams are now tied in their series that ends tonight. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, April 12th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for
0: listening and have a great day. In regional news, a press release put out earlier today reports that clinicians from Upadocs Urgent Care are joining Dignity Health Medical Group Sierra Nevada. Roger Hicks, MD, Andrea Harris, MD, Trevor Nichols, PA, and Myra Hicks, MD, will be joining the primary care practice at 280 Sierra College Drive on May 1, 2023. The clinic will offer online scheduling, same-day appointments, and workers' compensation services for community members Monday through Saturday. The Sierra Nevada Dignity Health Medical Group plans to expand their services to offer walk-in urgent care appointments in the coming months and will accept most major health plans, including Medicare. Dr. Scott Neely, president and CEO of Dignity Health Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital, stated the following, quote, I'm grateful Nevada County will continue to benefit from the expertise of these wonderful physicians and advanced practice providers. For many years, they have provided critical care for our community, and we are fortunate to have them continue this important work. The Nevada County Planning Department has released the Notice of Public Hearing on the proposed Idaho Maryland Mine Rise Grass Valley project. A press release states that the Planning Commission will hold a special meeting for the public hearing of the proposed project on May 10, which may be continued onto May 11, 2023, as needed. The proposed project would reinitiate underground mining and gold mineralization processing for the Idaho Maryland Mine over an 80 year permit period with gold mineralization processing and underground exploration and mining proposed to operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week during full operations. The Planning Commission will make a recommendation to the Board of Supervisors regarding environmental action, and a public hearing will be held in order to make a project action recommendation. The United States Small Business Administration is reporting that, as of April 5, 2023, Nevada and Yuba counties are considered contingent counties. As contingent counties, Nevada and Yuba County's homeowners, renters, and businesses are eligible to apply for low-interest loans due to physical damage or economic injury if they were affected by the Mosquito Fire that occurred from September 6 to October 27 of 2022. There is no cost or obligation, and eligibility is based on a case-by-case review for each applicant, but applicants should initiate an SBA application by June 5, 2023. The economic injury deadline is January 4th, 2024. Applicants may apply online, receive additional disaster assistance information, and download applications at disasterloanassistance.sba.gov or by calling 1-800-659-2955. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 36 degrees. Thursday. Sunny with a high near 60. Thursday night will be clear with a low around 37 degrees. Areas of frost after 4 a.m. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 18 degrees. Thursday. Sunny with a high near 46. Thursday night will be mostly clear with a low around 22 degrees. And in Sacramento and Woodland. Tonight, clear with a low around 45 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 28 miles per hour. Thursday. Sunny with a high near 68. Winds from 15 to 20 mph, with gusts as high as 28 mph. Thursday evening will be mostly clear with a low around 42 degrees. The National Weather Service has issued a wind advisory in effect from 8 p.m. this evening to 11 a.m. Thursday for the Sacramento Valley. The strongest winds will be overnight Wednesday through early Thursday morning. Tree limbs could be blown down and cause power outages. Use extra caution when driving, especially if you're driving a tall vehicle. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Nevada County recently created a campaign called No Overdose Nevada County. The campaign is meant to increase knowledge and awareness surrounding drug overdose risks and harm reduction strategies in order to help prevent overdoses and deaths. KVMR News Director Claudia Mendoza brings us the story.
2: Overdose deaths caused by powerful synthetic opioids like fentanyl have been rising over the last 20 years in the U.S., with a significant increase beginning in the last 10. Rural areas like Nevada County are not immune. Toby Gavon of Nevada County Public Health Department told me that fentanyl showed up locally three years ago.
5: In March 2020 is when we saw it first hit the community and, and, you know, it's been having a, a, a big impact ever since then.
2: Data collected by Nevada County Public Health attributes 34 accidental overdose deaths involving fentanyl in the last two years. Many times, the user has no idea that they were taking fentanyl. From
5: our experience, it's really in all street drugs in in Nevada County. In counterfeit pills, we've seen it in Percocet, in Xanax, um, and some other counterfeit prescription pills. You know, and one of the challenges is that those the the counterfeit prescription pills, they're made in a pill press that has the that looks exactly like the pills that you would get from a pharmacy. So it's nearly impossible to distinguish between the counterfeit pills and the ones that somebody's gotten from a pharmacy. So if you haven't gotten a prescription drug from a pharmacy, you don't know exactly where it came from, um, then there is a very real possibility that it could have fentanyl. We've also found it in in other drugs, cocaine, um, methamphetamine, um, MDMA, also known as ecstasy and molly. You know, it's widespread in the drug supply
2: right now. I asked Bethany Wilkins, she's the director of the Yuba Harm Reduction Collective, why fentanyl seems to suddenly be everywhere
4: that's a great question and it comes up often when we do trainings there's a few different answers to that the first is that it's very very cheap to manufacture so it you can get the most kind of bang for your buck so to say if you are someone that's manufacturing um you know counterfeit pills and so economically it's a lot cheaper to manufacture than other opioids opioids uh increase overall euphoria and um, feelings of pleasure usually um that's how and why they can become highly addictive. One of the reasons, and so when you have something like fentanyl um, mixed into, let's say, cocaine, um, that can just, in general, increase the euphoria and potency of that high. And so it's it's kind of like upping upping the high, upping the, um, the potency and the experience for the drug user. So that might be another reason that someone is putting fentanyl into something or a reason that someone's just using fentanyl as their drug of choice. There's also accidental cross-contamination. You know, someone is, you know, bagging bagging up a supply and they aren't thoroughly cleaning that and there could be some grains or some powder of fentanyl that accidentally gets into a bag of something else that's where you can also see accidental cross-contamination. So those are just a few few examples, but I think it's mainly rooted in it is cheap to manufacture, and overall it's going to increase the euphoria um, and the potency of that drug experience and then the accidental cross-contamination piece.
2: The big takeaway is that fentanyl is here and it isn't going to go away anytime soon. So how do we as a community respond to this public health emergency? Neighboring counties, like Placer County, are participating in the, quote, One Pill Can Kill campaign, which involves aggressive prosecution. But Nevada County is taking more of a harm reduction strategy. They've launched a campaign called No Overdose Nevada County. That's K-N-O-W, as in know what an overdose looks like. Here's Toby Gavon again.
5: The No Overdose Nevada County campaign um, is a local multi-sector campaign that is focused on increasing knowledge and awareness of uh, overdose prevention uh, and harm reduction strategies, including increasing access to uh, naloxone or or Narcan, which is the opioid overdose reversal drug. It's really a a continuation of some efforts that we've had um, over the past few years, Um, ever since we saw an increase in the the number of overdoses that we were having, particularly related to fentanyl, a synthetic opioid, Um, In the summer of 2020, um, a small group of organizations got together. We started doing trainings um, at bars, at restaurants, um, schools for school staff, nonprofits, really anywhere in the community um, that would have us on opioid overdose prevention um, and uh, uh, Narcan, where you can find it and how you can use it. And so we've been doing those efforts for a few years. But as we kind of progressed, more and more organizations became involved. And we thought it would just be natural to kind of create a campaign like No Overdose where we could really share information with the community and make sure that as many people as possible had access to this information that can really save a life.
2: In addition to education, the No Overdose campaign aims to provide access to tools like fentanyl testing strips.
5: Fentanyl test strips, they were test strips that were initially developed actually for urinalysis, to see if somebody had fentanyl in their system. And what people quickly realize is that you could also um, test uh, any drugs that you were using for um, for fentanyl um, with them. So there are some limitations to fentanyl test strips. There's something that we call the chocolate chip cookie effect, which is essentially when fentanyl isn't evenly distributed throughout um, a drug or a product. So in the example of a counterfeit pill, you have could have a counterfeit pill and only test a, a part of it. So you 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 test a part of it and it doesn't have fentanyl, but the way that fentanyl works is it could be in little pockets within that pill and other places that weren't tested. So there are limitations to using fentanyl test strips, and we always encourage people if they are using fentanyl test strips to also carry Narcan with them um, and have to have somebody there with them uh, in case uh, there is fentanyl and it just didn't show up in the in the part of the uh, product that they were they were testing, or to test the entire product. So again, there are limitations to fentanyl test strips, but they're another tool. And one of the things that we think about with harm reduction is really all of the different tools that we have, you know, to reduce the risk of harm um, when people are using drugs. And so the more tools that we can use, so fentanyl test strips, um, Narcan, not using alone, um, you know, the safer uh, folks are. And so really encouraging people to use, you know, as um, uh, as, as many harm reduction tools as they can if they are using
2: drugs. For more information about the No Overdose Nevada County campaign, overdose prevention and harm reduction strategies, or to learn about where to access free Narcan, visit www.nooverdosenc.com. For KVMR, I'm Claudio Mendoza.
0: Several companies across the United States are finding new ways to extract cobalt, nickel, graphite, copper, and lithium from the used batteries of household devices such as laptops, cell phones, and even toothbrushes. Coming up, local resident Christine Newsom brings us an original commentary covering this innovative practice. Electrify everything.
6: That's what many experts say is the solution to our climate and energy crises. After all, the renewable sources of electricity wind, solar, and some hydro, are now cheap enough that their cost is lower than that generated from fossil fuels. But the weak link in this argument is storage. How can we rely on electricity from renewable sources in a stable, dependable way when the batteries which store that electricity are so problematic? Rechargeable batteries require lithium, cobalt, nickel, and copper minerals which are rare, primarily mined in poor countries under deplorable conditions and causing terrible environmental damage. The carbon footprint of mining the ingredients and manufacturing these batteries could outweigh the benefit of bypassing the fossil fuels. So is there a solution? The good news is yes. There are now several companies in the U.S. which are collecting spent rechargeable or lithium-ion batteries from household laptops cell phones tablets e-readers as well as other household devices such as shavers toothbrushes wireless headphones and so on and extracting the still useful minerals to be remade into new rechargeable batteries these companies also contract with electric car manufacturers to recycle their e-car batteries as well as companies like amazon panasonic and specialized bicycles The extraction process is highly efficient, capable of removing about 95% of the cobalt, nickel, graphite, and copper, and over 80% of the lithium. In other words, these batteries could be recycled over and over again. One of these companies is Redwood Materials, which is based in Carson City, Nevada, and was founded by a former Tesla vice president, J.P. Straubel. Straubel recognized that electric cars were the wave of the future but worried about how the supply of batteries could be maintained. He came to the realization that the largest lithium and cobalt reserves in the Western Hemisphere sit in America's junk drawers. He thought if he could get access to those reserves, the materials could be recycled into new batteries. Thus, Redwood Materials was born, which now recycles the minerals from these end-of-life batteries into new ones. Whether recycling can ever replace mining is unknown, but we can hope that this is the result. To paraphrase one recycler, we need to be unbuilding and remanufacturing everything we build in order to live in a sustainable world. So harvesting and donating your rechargeables, whether batteries or the devices that contain them, is an easy, important step you can take in helping create that sustainable world. If you'd like to do so, there will be a collection of rechargeable batteries and devices happening this Saturday, April 15th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Root Center. This will be sponsored by the Rotary Clubs of Nevada City and the 49er Rotary Club. If you'd like more information, you can go to redwoodmaterials.com.
2: The views expressed are those of the speakers only and are not necessarily those of KVMR, our board, staff, volunteers, or contributors.
0: That's our newscast for this Wednesday, April 12th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from Vols Bros Automotive, serving the community since 1982. Located at 962 Golden Gate Terrace in Grass Valley. Same workmanship, customer service, and community involvement. Online at volsbros.com. And Dignity Health. Treating patients with compassionate care and commitment while providing a range of medical expertise and a dose of human kindness. Details at dignityhealth.org slash ourlocations. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudia Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem. Have a great night.